You're listening to LeBeau's Lessons, a leadership podcast for new and aspiring leaders. LeBeau's Lessons is a virtual platform which seeks to provide leadership training and education for new and aspiring leaders. We do this by providing a consistent, free leadership podcast, weekly mentoring meetings with our staff, and online courses. Every Tuesday, we meet at 12 noon CST to promote self-awareness by providing stories and leadership coaching on this show to raise the emotional intelligence of our listeners. You can support us by following, liking, subscribing, and sharing. And now, on to the show. So I'm going live on TikTok and Facebook right now. It's, it's insane. I, I came here an hour early just to make sure I had everything to go correctly. And <clears throat> I get here and then the internet is down. So then we had to get on the phone with, with Spectrum. And I believe it's because today's message is very, very powerful. Um, some of you may know I, I'm a really big reader and I've been reading some of the best financial books ever written. And um, today I'm gonna to be talking about the most powerful lessons that I've learned over the years in reading those books. So today's title is 21 Money Maxims. I don't know if y'all can see that on TikTok. 21 money maxims to live by so i'm going to be giving you some really good quotes and all that good stuff so if you have if you don't have a pen and paper go ahead and get your pen and paper together and uh, we'll get started but while while you're getting that pen and paper also make sure that that you are uh, sharing this with anybody you believe is having a financial crisis or needs a lot of financial wisdom. Maybe they're not listening to you, but they'll listen to me. They'll listen to somebody that doesn't know them, right? And uh, I've, I've made every financial mistake possible. Every financial mistake known to man. <laughs> but today, I'm going to help a few people. And so we're gonna get started. Okay, so we're talking about finances today. And if you haven't caught my last talk on money, you can go to, to Apple Podcasts and you'll see uh, when I talked about the five financial principles of the wealthiest people in the world. Today, I'm gonna to give you 21 principles or 21 things you need to think about. Some of these things are questions. I'm gonna go as fast as I possibly can <clears throat> because I, I have a lot to get in and I don't want it to be a part two. But let me start with a story. So uh, this is a true story. So there are these uh, roommates. One is Brandy and one is Allison and they arrive to work every day. Brandy has to be driven to work first, and then Allison goes. All of a sudden, Brandy starts to take a different path. Instead of going the normal path, she starts going a different path. This path is noticeably longer to Allison, and Allison is saying, hey, this path is longer. Why do you take this path when you, you know, you know we can save time if you go this way? 
And she says, no, 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 this is faster. Brandy is just convinced that this is a faster route to take. Well, after several days of carpooling, Allison is, is for sure, because she's timing it, right? She knows that this is a longer path than they usually take. So one day she proves it to, um, she proves it to Brandy by putting the address into maps. You know how you put the address in and then it'll show you three different paths. Either you go this way, the fastest way, or you go the, the right, another way, which is a longer way. And she'll say, see, this is your way and this is my way. <clears throat> and she asks, why did you start going this other path? She asked Brandy this, why did you start going this other path anyway? She said, because I started taking Ubers on the days that I didn't have a ride to work and the Ubers would always take me this way and say that it was the fastest. And so Allison says, hey, they're scamming you because my mom used to be a taxi cab driver back in the day. And everybody knows that taxi cab drivers, if you don't know where you're going, they'll put in the longest route and take the longer route because it gives them a few extra dollars when they do that. Hey guys, uh, and so Brandy is like, no, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong. She's convinced that because the, the Uber driver told her that going that longer route is shorter because she believes they know better because they're an Uber driver. So regardless of the fact that Allison pulls up on the map that this this route is the way you go and it says 14 minutes here, but the way we normally go is 12 minutes. So why do, why are you still believing the, the Uber driver? And Brandy says, well, it's not that much of a difference anyway. I bring up that example because when it comes to money, a lot of people think like this. What I've learned from reading some of the best financial books ever written is that all financial advisors say the same thing. And that is we have all created preconceived notions about money. We don't know where they came from. Sometimes they came from TV. Sometimes they came from our parents. Sometimes they came from reading different things or just listening to people. Thank you so much. Um, but the problem is that once we get convinced of those things and we think that somebody knows better than us, we start following that pathway, even though logic, statistics, and new research will tell us different, we will still keep going that way. And part of it is because we're embarrassed that we've been doing it that way that long and we don't wanna feel like we've been fooled. But sometimes the reason why we do it is, is because, um, we need it to be true. And in Brandy's case in the story, she believed the Uber driver. And because she was she had done it so long, she was embarrassed to say that she had let somebody fool her. So she would rather continue doing the wrong thing instead of admitting that she had been fooled by somebody, that she had been scammed, right? And we have to understand, especially when it comes to money, Money is such a vulnerable subject. There's a lot of people out there that try to take advantage of you when it comes to money. 
we can all agree to that, right? We've all, from at one point of our lives, been bamboozled when it comes to money. <clears throat> and so um, we have to understand that there's people that have it in their best, it's in their best interest to fool us, right? And so what Brandy did was like, you know, she, she just didn't want to believe it and just kept doing it. Well, today, I'm gonna to say a lot of disruptive things. Some of the things I'm gonna say, uh, they're gonna challenge you. Some of it is gonna make you think, some of it you've heard before, some of it is gonna make sense, and some of it's gonna feel like, what is she talking about? And it's gonna hurt a little bit. My daughter showed me a message from one of her friends. She said, your mom is so blunt. I just listened to one of her podcasts, I love it. She's blunt, but in a good way. And I knew that I, I knew that I was blunt and um, I don't know. I think it's, it's a part of the way I need to be. I've tried tempering it. I've tried changing it, softening it. And I do labor at doing that. But sometimes, and I'm just gonna say, especially for people like me, I need people to be blunt with me. It works best for me um, in most cases, especially on issues that I'm stubborn about. And I think that a lot of us have a lot of stubborn mindsets when it comes about money. So I'm about to tell you some blunt statements and I hope that you stick with me because each angle I'm about to hit you from is going to hurt in a good way. Okay, but I want you to stay all the way through because I don't want you to miss not one point I'm going to say, okay? And definitely chime in. I want you to say something, okay? I want you to challenge me if you think that I'm saying something wrong. Okay, y'all ready? Somebody said, Mr. 2K said, I love the book Cash Flow Quadrants. Make sure you message me with that one so that I can remember. I'll listen back to this. Okay, I love reading. Keep suggesting. I, my, my reading list is up to 108 right now. All right, so does somebody say, I, do I have a piercing on my tongue or is it a filter? If this filter has a piercing on my tongue, believe me, it's not real. <laughs> I'm just trying to, to, to use the filter that makes me look the smoothest, okay? Okay, let's go. Number one, anyone can get rich. Number one, anyone can get rich. If you don't believe that, then that means that you are ignoring all of the stories that you've ever heard about people who have come from nothing. Anyone can become rich, okay? Some people become rich on accident. I was talking to people that were following Dave Ramsey and we were talking about it. And I said, there's people who get rich by accident. And somebody said, how can you get rich by accident? I've known somebody who's gotten rich by accident. Have you ever met anybody that's gone viral? Have you ever met anybody who's who scammed people in the past and they've gotten rich because of it? Yes, you can become rich, not on purpose. Sometimes you can become rich because of a windfall, because of an inheritance, because of the lottery. Not all riches came from strategy. We all can understand and agree with that, correct? Okay. The problem is that most people 
do not know how to retain it once they get it. If you watch the documentaries about people who have won the lottery, it's easy to see that many people don't know how to keep wealth that they didn't grow themselves. Is, is that agreeable? Okay. Even the people who grow the wealth themselves still can find themselves on hard times. Even the biggest companies that were on the, uh, the Forbes list have left the Forbes list. They didn't qualify anymore. They've gone out of business. Goldman Sachs almost went out of business until Warren Buffett came to save them. So the point is that anybody can get rich. The key is learning how to retain it. Many of us are trying to study how to get rich, but we don't understand how to retain it. Have you ever met a person who's been a millionaire before? Have you ever met somebody who's hit six figures in their business before? And then the next month they were back to where they started? I have. So the issue is before, while we're praying to get rich and we're praying for more wealth and more opportunity, what we need to be doing is, and the most important thing we need to be doing is learning how to retain whatever it is that we get. How do we make it last? How do we make it stretch? How do we make it grow? Because without that wisdom and knowledge, it doesn't matter how much money you come into uh, contact with, you will not be able to have it long enough. Okay, and I'm gonna get to why in a second. Exactly, somebody said, I know a lot of people, a lot of broke people who make more money than me. Absolutely, so number one, anyone can get rich. The second out of the 21 is, how a person handles their emotions is how they handle money. How a person handles their emotions is how they will handle money. If you're emotionally unstable, you're probably financially unstable, agree? If you cannot handle your state of mind, how can you handle money? Because what we do with our money is a reflection of our state of mind, okay? Number two. Number three, people spend the money they say they don't have. People spend the money they say they don't have. Y'all with me on that, I know. But they spend more on clothes in a year than they have, sa have in savings. They spend more on clothes in a year than they have in savings. The amount of money that we spend on clothes, you might say, I'm not a clothes person, but maybe you're a dog person, or maybe you're a makeup person, maybe you're a hair person, maybe you're a car person. Do you get where I'm getting at? My point is you've chosen, many of us have chosen, to spend more money on something, a particular thing, something that's completely unreasonable. And, and let me tell you something, I don't know you, but I know that there is one thing that you are willing to spend an unreasonable amount of money on and you're okay with it. There's one thing, it could be travel, it could be clothes, it could be makeup, it could be food, it could be cars, it could be shoes, it could be your kids, but you have at least one thing that you are unreasonably spending money on and you're just like, YOLO, okay? We all have that and we justify it, okay? All right, we're all the same. Let's, let's just clarify some of these things, okay? 
Now, that was number three, okay? Number four, our experiences dictate how we spend. Our experiences dictate how we spend. Captain obvious, right? That's obvious, okay? People born even one decade apart believe two different things about money. The people who grew up in the Great Depression do not believe the same thing as the people who grew up in the 50s or the people who grew up in the 90s. Am I right about that? We can agree to that, right? Because if you grew up in the Great Depression, then regardless of how the economy changes, in your mind, you still have to prepare for the opportunity or, or the, the, the downfall of the system or whatever. You don't count on the government for anything because you've gone through the Great Depression. And in the same way, if you were, let's say, born in the late 40s or in the early 50s, you have a lot of trust in the government because back, that, back then, money was cheap, people lived in excess, and nobody thought debt was a problem. And, and so in the 90s, and so in, in every decade, what happens in our lifetime dictates how we view money and how we view spending. A person that grew up in the Great Depression will look at the things that we buy today and think that we are nuts, that we are crazy. Am I right? They would think we're crazy because we're spending money on things they would never dream of wasting money. That is a waste of money, okay? My great-grandfather went through the Great Depression. He was a multi-business owner, but he was a miser. They said he wore the same clothes every day that he, if he found something on the ground, he would save it. Anything that he had, he would keep it. He would try to re-upcycle it because that's the type of person he was because he went through the Great Depression. So when we try, when people from different times try to talk about money and try to talk about what is right and wrong about money, Sometimes it's not about what's really right or wrong, but it's really just about the differences in the generations, okay? Yes, deep differences in the mindsets from different uh, generations, somebody said, yes. All right, number five. Why do we judge others' misfortune as a bad decision while judging our bad decisions as misfortune? Don't we all do that? Don't we all look at somebody else's situation as a bad decision? Oh, well, you should never did that. I told you not to go and buy that. I'm gonna, now you got it. Don't you wish you had that? And, but if anything happens to us, oh man, see, because if this would have never happened, then the pandemic, and then this happened and that happened, and everything that happens to us is just, it just happened. It was a bad thing that happened to us, right? So we have to move away from that mindset because the truth is, if we were always doing the right thing with our money, even when hard times hit, it would not hit as hard. Am, am I right about that? It wouldn't hit as hard if we were always doing the right thing with our money, right? Because even if the pandemic hit, had we been doing the right things with our money, 
over the last few years before the pandemic, then the pandemic would never hit as hard as it did. Okay, Mr. 2K. All right. Number six, extreme examples in wealth can't be applied to you. Extreme examples of wealth cannot be applied to you. You do not share the same reality. So what that means is the things that Warren Buffett did and the things that Elon Musk did and the things that Jeff Bezos did may not necessarily work exactly for you. They could write a book and it won't exactly work for you because your reality is completely different from theirs. Some of the things they did, the principles that they follow can be applied to anybody, but those are generalizations and general rules of thumb that could work, like I said, for any about anybody. But when you try to get into specifics and you try to say, well, I'm gonna wake up at 4 a.m. because Warren Buffett woke up at 4 a.m. I'm gonna do this uh, because Elon Musk did this every day. He started his day like this. Well, your circumstances, your influence, your resources are not the same as his. The opportunities that came to him and the position that he had and the favor that he had is different from yours. And you're not in control of that. What you're, on, you're, what you're in control of is what you do every day. And what you're, you're in control over is how you spend your money and how you think about it. And that is what you have to change. Somebody said, Warren Buffett is white and 172 years old. It ain't the same. Well, one thing that, that is true about Warren Buffett that can be applied to anybody is he has always had a mind for investing since he was a young man. And he always thought long-term when it came to money, okay? Number seven, extreme poverty is like extreme wealth. It desensitizes people's morals. Extreme poverty is like extreme wealth. It can desensitize some people's morals. Wherever you find crime, there's poverty. Wherever there's major crime and frequent crime, there's gonna be poverty. Right, that's where you're, you're gonna see the surplus of it, okay? But in the same way, wealth. I like to say that wealth only exaggerates who you already are, okay? Wealth exaggerates who you already are. It makes you bold enough to be who you really want to be. And if inside of you, there's a little thief, a itty bitty little thief, once you get enough money, it'll become a big thief. And then you can become like um, Bernie Madoff, or you can become like um, Rajat Gupta. Somebody who seemed on the outside to be a good guy, but inside he had a little sneaky. And when you have enough money and you get desperate enough, and that's one of the things you need to know. Don't assume that wealthy people are not as desperate as poor people. Think about this. Think about this. Have you ever heard of the wealthy people? Come on now. Have you ever heard of the wealthy people who have so much money and they still decide to steal to get even more? They still decide to scam to get even more. 
Rajat Gupta had hundreds of millions of dollars. He, it wasn't enough. He wanted to be a billionaire. So he decided to be sneaky. When somebody is desperate for money, sometimes they're willing to do anything. Sometimes they're willing to become somebody they hate. And this is why no matter what journey you go on to become a person that you want to become, you have to keep your morals intact. Number eight, the desire for more can be so loud that it can silence your integrity. The desire for more can be so loud. That's right, greed. That's right, um, Council Q, greed. That's what happened. That desire for more. One thing I've learned from listening to a lot of wealthy people is you have to decide what is enough. What is enough for you? And I'll get to that question later, but you have to decide, you have to create your own glass ceiling. I know a lot of people don't like to do that. I don't like to do that, but it's necessary or else we're chasing the wind. Number nine, you can lose what you've gained just as fast or faster. You can lose what you've gained just as fast or faster. Some of you are playing the stock market and you are investing in companies that look secure and everything looks fine. And everything looks fine until it's not. And anytime you invest money, you're taking a risk. The, the, the point is to make smarter risk, to make smarter risk, right? But even the smartest risk, you have to understand, time and chance happen to everybody. So you have to be prepared, and I'll get to this more. I'm breaking this down into little, little pieces, but just know that you can lose the money just as fast. So that's why you can't put your everything into, you can't tie your, your worth into money. Somebody said, uh, when they got desperate, they go against their morals and reasonings. That's right. There's a man named Buckmeister Fuller. Have you ever heard of him, Buckmeister Fuller? <clears throat> He was a very innovative man. And his father-in-law had an idea for a great invention. Nobody believed in him. Nobody wanted to invest money in it. But he believed it because he could see the vision because he was innovative himself and an inventor. So he helped his father-in-law, got people to want to invest, put his money in it, put the father-in-law money in it. The friends put their money in it and they were riding high for five years, having a time of their life, so much so that Mr. Fuller did not save at all. Well, one day he made a decision that cost the investors everything. And he walked himself over to a bridge and he decided that he was better off dead than alive. He was so embarrassed, he let so many people down he rather that his wife and children live off of the inheritance from his death than ever see him a day again. But when he wanted to jump off the bridge, a voice spoke to him and said, you do not belong to yourself. And you think that you're insignificant, but you can't comprehend what your significance is. And at that point, he got off of the limb and he went 
and realized that he had been thinking about it all wrong. It wasn't that he was the wrong person. He was in the wrong position. He was trying to be a businessman because people told him that's what he needed to be. But the truth is he was an inventor. And if you look up Buckmeister Fuller, you will see the architecture that he's created and he is responsible for many of the great structures that we see today. But none of that would have existed if he would have jumped off that bridge that day. And he thought he had no worth because he wasn't a businessman who can make millions of dollars and be successful. And sometimes we tie our self-worth to our bank account. And that's not what we need to do. Sometimes we can lose it all, okay? One thing about um, Mr. Fuller is that he gained it all back with much more perspective and a legacy. Number 10, time and chance happen to us all. So this is why we need to save because bad things happen at the worst times of our life. When you're deciding how much money you need to be happy, one of the things you need to also do is make sure that you are including some wiggle room in that number. If you say to yourself, you know what, I'm a very simple person. If I just made six figures, I could be happy because I'll have my bases covered and I'll have enough money to go on vacations or whatever. But are you planning for the unexpected? See, because the problem is that we plan, we do make plans, some of us, we make plans, but we're not planning for, our, for things to not go as according to plan. And we're not, uh, we're not planning to change our minds. And so you have to insert some wiggle room for the wedding, the funeral, the, all the unexpected things down the line, right? And make sure that you're including that in your number and make sure that you're saving for those things. Because this is one thing that is for sure. I'll tell you another story right here. There was a man who became a doctor he didn't become a doctor until he was 40 years old. But all the way up until that time, he struggled because he, he and his wife had three kids. They struggled and it didn't matter that when he became a doctor, he started making a lot of money because that struggle mentality stayed with him and he realized, you know what? I wanna save, I wanna continue saving. 20 years later, he realized that his dream job of being a doctor was not his dream job anymore. He walked off the job because he had decided that he had enough. He was an emergency room doctor. But when he decided to walk off his job that day, it was okay, you know why? Because of all those years of saving, he had the choice to do so. Had he not, he would have had to stay, stay a doctor, miserable, and stressed as an old man because why? He had to still make a living. See, because in any given scenario, if the worst thing happens, if the worst thing, that's right, contingency planning, if the worst thing happens, you will want to have an option. I went through Hurricane Katrina. When people went through Hurricane Katrina, believe me, a lot of people like myself had nothing, but the people who had saved 
and they put money away for the unexpected, they had options when many of us did not. Many of us didn't have the option to leave the city, but some people had enough money to fly, up, fly out and put themselves up in a hotel. They may have lost their house or their belongings, but at least they were not under a bridge like many of us were. So my point is, you definitely in every scenario wanna save regardless, regardless, okay? Where am I at? Number 11, today's topic is 12 money maxims to live by. These are some of the things I've learned from, from learning from the most wealthiest people and reading their books, okay? This is from this. I'm, I've read hours and hours and hours of books, so you don't have to. How much money do you need to wake up every day doing what you want to do? How much is enough? How much money do you need? What's the number? Because if you don't have the goal, then how do you know when you get there? There are some people who have given themselves a glass ceiling. They've decided that they know what they're comfortable with and they've decided that they're not going to pursue any other financial opportunities that make them work for more money above that because they realize that over that level takes a toll on their peace. Peace is the best success, okay? Some of you have decided that you will not be happy until you become a millionaire. But are you prepared for the emotional toll that that will take on you? And what if you could be happy, happier at 300,000 than you would at a million? Would you still go for a million? How much is enough? This is something that you might have to meditate on for a few weeks. It may take a while for you to walk through your house and, and ask yourself, you know, is this house comfortable for me? Do I need something more than this? Or is this okay? Why am I pursuing more, right? Some of us have dreams that are bigger than ourselves and we're not living for ourselves only. I totally understand that. But if you are living so that you can be your family's ATM, don't do that. I can already tell you that that's not what you really want. No, no, there's a reason why wealthy people go and live off on a hill somewhere and they barely talk to their family. There's a reason why people who win the lottery distance themselves from their family. You do not want to become the ATM of your family, okay? You wanna inspire your family. That's what you really want. Number 12. People don't admire anyone today. This is just an observation I've had. People don't admire anyone today. They only envy them and covet their possessions. They only envy them and covet their possessions. Do you realize that? When people look at somebody on Instagram and they look at their them with their car or posing next to their jet or whatever, we don't say, wow, that guy is so smart or so cool. We think, oh, I would look good in that picture. Oh, I would look good in that car. I would look good in that jet. I would look good with, with that model or whatever. I would look good in that club or in that outfit. 
all we do is look at people and want what they have. We're not asking, how did you get there? And this is the thing, like the movie Pursuit of Happiness, he asked the question, what do you do? And then went after that, right? Okay? That's the problem with us. We're looking at the stuff and that's what we want. But here's something to remember. Everything looks easier when you're not the one doing it. I see my friend Donald on. Every look, everything looks easier when you're not the one that has to go after it. You are seeing the stuff that they bought. You're not seeing how much they have in savings. You're not seeing the house they could have bought, but they didn't buy. I'll get into that later. Number 13, here's a big question for you all. You all millionaire wannabes. Number 13, do you really want to be a millionaire? Or do you just want to spend a million dollars? They are not the same. Do you really want to be a millionaire? Or do you want to be surrounded by a million dollars worth of stuff? Because most of us, we don't really want to have a million dollars. We want to spend a million dollars. And that's, if that's you, you, you really need to evaluate why. You need to start reevaluating your thinking. And you really need to ask yourself, do I really need this to be happy? Or am I doing it to impress people? Number 14, there's two kinds of people. The one who buys the most expensive house they can afford and the one who buys the house they're comfortable with. Two kinds of people. The one who buys the most expensive house or the most expensive car that they can afford, or someone who sees the house that would that they can technically afford, but that will make them house broke, versus the person who says, you know, I could have that house, but I'm going to be comfortable in this house. Because you're thinking beyond the house. You see, the person who has to buy the most expensive house is not buying that for themselves. They're buying it for appearances. Kevin, Kevin Rice said, or what all was the result of how it was developed? That There's a difference. Mm -hmm. You see, if you're trying to buy the most expensive thing, even though you know it will make you go broke or take everything you have, it's not worth it. And the only reason why you're doing that, you're, you're being irrational. But see, the thing about it is we're all doing what we think is right at the time, aren't we? If you spent money, which is something that we all hold dear. There's nobody that says, I don't like, uh, I don't value this at all. Take all my money and go. We all hold value at a certain level. The, the difference is, um, the difference is that we're not thinking long-term like counsel said. We're not thinking long-term, but we, we all think that we're right. 
And when you look over your purchases, you can see that you didn't have the right thinking. You can look back on pictures of the way you used to dress and realize you didn't have the right thinking. You can look at past relationships and realize you didn't have the right thinking. This is why we all need to be constantly trying to evolve. You, do you know why I read so much? I read because we are always doing something stupid and we don't know. I hate the feeling of not knowing something. I hate that. I am completely aware of what I don't know. I feel like I know nothing and it bothers me. Heaven to me is learning all the time. That's my heaven. That's what I want to do. If I could have heaven to myself, if I, if I could fashion heaven for myself, my heaven would be walking around the earth learning for eternity because that brings me a lot of comfort is learning. Yes, there's always, Kevin and Rice said, there's always something new. Mm-hmm. Okay, number 13 out of the 21 Maxims, Money Maxims, and this is going to be available on Apple Podcasts later on tonight. Uh, let's see. Number 15, the future is shrouded in uncertainty. The future is shrouded in uncertainty. There is no guarantee that anything will be better than it is today. The secret to success in the present and in the future is to control what is controllable in your life. Let me say that again. The future is shrouded in uncertainty and there is no guarantee that anything will be better than it is today. So the secret to the present and the future is to control what you can control. What can you control? You can control what you spend. You can control how you think, what you pursue. You can control taking care of yourself. You can't control if, uh, if an illness comes and hits you later on, right? But you can control taking care of yourself. You can control doing things that the future you would appreciate. The future you would appreciate being healthier. We agree. The future you would appreciate you saving. That's right. So why don't we just start there? Those are two things we're in control over. It'll make us feel good now. It'll make us feel good later. And if, it, if saving doesn't make you feel good now, if saving doesn't make you feel good now, it's because you need too many things to make you happy. Think about when you were a baby. The only thing you had was a blanket and a breast. And you were happy. So what I'm saying is, there's, uh, I know Tim Ferriss, he does this thing. He has a ritual, and it's very true. He has this, this ritual where he pretends that he lost everything, okay? Because he knows that nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. All right? Nothing is guaranteed. So because he knows that anything can happen and he could lose his business, 
what he tries to do is he prepares himself for the for losing everything and and for a week he'll sleep on his floor he'll eat ramen noodles and wear the same clothes every day now some people might think that he's crazy for doing that but he calls it fear setting is basically living out your worst fear little by little so that you won't be afraid of it. And I think that's cool. Hello, Valentia Wilson and, and my good friend Donald. Kevin said, how you react to making wiser decision making? How, how you react to, yeah, making wiser decision making, right? We all need to get wiser, that's for sure. Number 16, the less you care about what people think of you is the less you'll need to impress them. That's obvious, right? We're caring too much. Anytime we're willing to go broke to impress people, we're caring too much. Number 17, the good news about bad times is that it's never consistent. Like I said earlier, Buckmeister Fuller was ready to jump off of a bridge because he tied his, his like many people, he tied his self-worth up to how much money he had. Life isn't consistent. Bad times and <clears throat> bad times and good times will pass. Everything is a season. And so what you have to do is understand that the good times will not always last either. You got to make sure that you're preparing for that. Okay. Getting close to the end here. Number 18. Never take a risk. How many, before I, before I say this, how many of you are investing in crypto, Bitcoin, NFT, <clears throat> stocks, you're playing the stocks, you made some other kind of investments. Anybody? Nobody on here? Number 18 is never take a risk that could wipe you out. Never, ever take a risk that can wipe you out. Okay, so some, some people, some of you who are in the startup community, I've been in the startup community for quite a few years. <clears throat> I've been in the startup community for quite a few years. And one, one thing all venture capitalists know is that all businesses are vulnerable. They already know that 50% of the businesses that they come into contact with will fail and the other ones will only have marginal success. The really, really great unicorns like um, uh, Uber, oh, my eyes are watering because of oh, sinuses, they're the unicorns. Those are the ones that if you were fortunate enough to invest in them, then that's great. Most of the time, it's not like that. You never want to bet enough that if you lost it, you will lose it all. The type of people who do things like that are Vegas mindset type people. You don't want to do that. That's playing with your future. Okay, so if you're if you're doing anything with stocks, crypto, Bitcoin or anything like that, make sure that you're not that you're taking smart risks. 
okay? And be informed. Know where your money is going and why, okay? At least know that. Number 19. <clears throat> Have you planned for the day that you change your mind? Have you planned for the day that you will change your mind? Many of us plan, but we don't plan for when we change our mind. Some of us think that we will always feel the same way. Now, how is that true when we, we don't feel the same way about our clothes that we did, our, our relationships, our friendships even? Some of us have changed churches, changed TV shows, changed everything. So the point is, you have to plan for if you change your mind. What does that look like? Do you know how many business people that I've met that start a business in their 50s? But the reason why they can is because they save so much money and they were so frugal that when they were in that high paying corporate job, they had enough money to walk away. And that is what I'm saying about doing things that the future you would appreciate. You can't assume that you're gonna say the same person with the same persuasion and that you're gonna always want the same thing. If you decide that you want, if <clears throat> I had a, a cousin, her, her birthday is today. Shout out to Shakrisha. She has been a nurse for so long, and I'm telling you, I, I watched her through nursing school, and she was so, so passionate about nursing for so long. She's getting tired of nursing because it's taking a toll on her body. And what she's looking for is, what's the next, next chapter of my life? You want to have the opportunity to do that. You want to have the ability to say, you know what? I feel like God is moving me somewhere else. Okay, you want to be able to do that. And the only way you can do that is to have a little something on the side. Okay. Number 20. A person desperate for money is willing to believe anything. A person desperate for money is willing to believe anything. Okay. Because... They have no viable solutions in sight. No other viable solutions. So what does that mean? It means, just like the story I told earlier in the broadcasting, remember you can find this tonight, if you're coming in late, find it tonight on Apple Podcasts. Brandy was told by the Uber driver, this is the short route, but really he was taking the long route because he wanted to get extra money, okay? And so she kept following that way simply because she bought into it. And even when she learned that that was the longer way, she could not stop, okay? She couldn't stop because she needed to believe the lie. There are some people right now that are so desperate for financial support. They are willing to believe anything. I promise you, didn't you just see those people? It was Kim Kardashian and somebody else, another celebrity, that 
somebody had scammed their followers and got them into some type of, uh, I don't know if it was a crypto thing or an NFT thing and scammed these people out of their money. Now they're facing a lawsuit. Why? Because their name was on it. If Warren Buffett right now said, uh, this is the new hot stock, buy this and, and you'll get as rich as me. You know how many people will just dump, jump head first into it because it's Warren Buffett, right? We can be so desperate for money that we will buy into anything. Any new thing that comes along, we're like, oh, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. Yeah, it was Kim, Floyd, uh, Kim Kardashian and Floyd Mayweather, right? They probably had nothing to do with it. But the point is, people will buy into it if it seems like it's fast and easy, okay? But the truth of the matter is the most successful people like Warren Buffett have been in the game for a long, long time. There's this uh, mathematician, I forgot his first name, but his last name is Simon. If you look him up, you just look up mathematician Simon and you'll find him. He is a very great investor. He's a better investor than Warren Buffett. He figured out a formula that basically makes it so that he's right every time he spends his money. And he's very wealthy now, but he is an old man. And he didn't figure out this formula until he was in old age. But they say that if he would have, if he would have figured it out at the, in the same time that Warren Buffett started investing, he would be the richest man that ever lived. The money that he would have, he could buy the world. He could buy the world, okay? He could buy the world. And and sometimes, his, his last name is Simon. You just look up, just Google Simon Mathematician Investor and you'll find him. I forgot his first name, it might be hard to pronounce. But you have to understand it's about longevity. And this is why we need to start learning, finding it. If any of you have been struggling in your finances over the years, one thing for sure is you need financial wisdom. Use this year to learn as much. Let that be the theme of your year. You will not regret it. You can become an expert on wealth by the end of this year if you start it now. Now, finally, I come to my last maxim, and that is, Number 21, everyone looks to someone who knows the future, but no one really does. Everyone looks to someone who knows the future, but no one really does. The people on Wall Street, they look for people who can predict the markets, okay? Uh, older people look to financial advisors. Business people look to their CFOs. Everybody is looking for somebody who knows what's going to happen, but nobody knows what's going to happen. And so in order for us to prepare for the worst and make sure that we're doing something that our future selves would appreciate, we have to stop and we have to ask ourselves a few questions. What do I need to be happy? How much is enough? 
And what can I control right now? And once you find the answers to those questions, you can better position yourself that regardless of what happens in the future, you will be in a better position than most. Can we agree to that? So today we talked about 21 money maxims. Now let me give you a few book recommendations. One of the best books I've ever read, period, about any topic is The Psychology of Money. That's number one. Another book is The Richest Man in Babylon. You've probably heard of that one, but you never read it. Read it. It's going to sound like a story. He's telling stories instead of giving data because he wants the message to stick with you. In that book, you will see yourself and you will see many people that you have dealt with in your life. Okay. Uh, another book would be The Power of Zero because that book is a wake up call. It's going to make you see that even when you think you're doing the right thing, you're not doing enough. Not when it comes to preparing for the worst time of your life. And that is when you are sick and elderly and limited on how much money you can make. That book will set your mind right. And if you don't want to save now, after you read that book, you will want to save. There's some other books that I could recommend, but those are the top three books that are that I say you need to read right now, okay? Now I have 108 books on my reading list. So far I've read seven and I'm going through two right now. If you want any more book recommendations, message me and I'll let you know. But make sure you tune into this and look at my other financial message I did the other day on Apple Podcasts. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for watching. Bye-bye.